0: One of the early decisions in our marriage that defined our marriage, I felt like, is we had a real estate decision and I had some property that I had when I was single that I brought into our marriage and the property sold and and we had two decisions to make. And Wendy said, I think you should do do this. And I said, no, I think we have to do this. So I decided to do what I thought was the best thing to do. Uh uh, Uh-oh. This ain't
1: going the right direction. I'm going to (laughs) go... I mean, I'm
2: usually right, but that's (laughs) not gonna happen. Never. No way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on. Did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. (laughs) Love or work.
1: Welcome to the love work podcast. This is Jeff
2: and I'm Andre
1: and happy summer. Y'all
2: happy summer. Yeah, it's it's summertime. (laughs) We've been having some summertime fun. Having some summertime fun. Today we got a good podcast.
1: Well, first of all, I just want to stop and say thank you to all of our listeners.
2: Oh, we love you.
1: We don't know who all of you are. (laughs) We really
2: don't. We always talk about this. I wonder how many Johns are listening
1: or Jimmy or Sheila.
2: We sit in this little room with all the pads around and a microphone, but nobody else is here with us. Besides our Matty. Matt. Our Matt producer. has been in here a
1: lot with us. We recorded our entire book in this room over the weekend. And you could listen to it very soon. Actually,
2: August 18th it's coming out. Yes. We so have worked really hard on this. order now and get your book.
1: Get your book. Uh, go to loverworkbook.com and you can read all about it. Read all the endorsements. Get little glimpses of it. And you could join our launch team. Yeah. Yeah, so what we're asking people to do if they want to join the launch stream, commit to buying two books. Why two? Because if you're buying it for your partner, you are not going to agree with when to read it together. You're going to need two books. So we're asking people to buy two books.
2: We're asking you to share.
1: No, listen. <laughs> sharing a marriage book is a, is a recipe for divorce.
2: <laughs> or not. So we're <laughs> saying don't share.
1: Don't share. Get, get your own. Just get two. I'm just looking ahead. And if you do that, then you can get all these free things we have online. We got like other free downloads. You can listen to the first chapter of the audiobook. There's all, I mean, there's so many. There's like six different things you get for free. But we need you to do it now. Pre-order it.
2: Loverwork.com. No.
1: Loverworkbook.com.
2: Loverworkbook.com.
1: That's good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, honey.
1: <laughs> Help us make this uh, something that we get to share with so many people. So anyway, say all that to kind of go a little pitch for our little book. The Little Book That Could. Let's call it The Little Book
2: That Could. One day. One day it will come into your hands and it will be beautiful.
1: But before that day comes.
2: We have a great podcast today. Today we are interviewing Jeff and Wendy Henderson. Jeff is an author and pastor. He's a pastor of Gwinnett Church in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta, and wrote a book. Called Know What You're For. A Growth Strategy for Work and Even Better Strategy for Life.
1: It's a good title. It is. Yeah.
2: But it's uh the four books. So look that up and he'll talk a little
1: bit about it on the episode. But more than that, I want you to listen to three different things.
2: Listen for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Is that right or wrong? Listen
2: for three different things. What
1: am I supposed to say?
2: (laughs) Just go ahead. What are the three things? Listen up, people. Three things.
1: I'm, gonna just, I'm Now I'm going to only just, I'm going to start speaking in bullets. Listen up or exclamation points. That's one thing. Hang on. Before we get into this, I do want to bring this up because Andre and I have two very different writing styles in emails.
2: Yes. Yeah. I add all the exclamations. Is that what you're going to say?
1: I, no, I was going to critique myself first. Oh. I may not spell things correctly. There's a good chance. Never. <laughs> Never. I may have wrong grammatical sentences in general.
2: Horrible grammar. I may not even
1: say the right thing on this podcast, but what I don't do is add all
2: the exclamation points.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some rules in email. Like you can only put so many exclamation points or in or bold, one email. or bolding. You can only do so many all caps. <laughs> You can't put all caps on one word in every sentence. And then I bold
2: like the important parts too. <laughs>
1: it's a little, there's been a few emails I've received from Andre and I'm like, Andre, why are you screaming at me in the email?
2: <laughs> it's like, calm down.
1: Can I introduce you to the call app before you send email? <laughs> all that to say, listen up. Three things with Jeff and Wendy Henderson. Number one, the personal board of advisors. Number two, a goal setting weekend. That went the wrong way. Let me tell you, number two, don't ever do this. Just don't, (laughs) just don't ever do it.
2: No, don't don't make it. Don't pull out a flip chart.
1: (laughs) Don't pull out a flip chart on a romantic weekend. I'm just saying. Number three. This is more serious. They both are gonna open up and talk about seasons of depression that they've had and how that's really impacted their marriage, their relationship, how it impacted their kids. And this is something I know a lot of people need to hear about and mm-hmm. need to talk through. And and they really opened up to us about this. And I'm so thankful that they did, because I know there's a lot of listeners that are really going to benefit from hearing their vulnerability.
0: Yeah,
2: it was beautiful. So here we go. This is Wendy and Jeff Henderson.
3: Well, um. I fell in love long before Jeff did. So um, oh. because Jeff and I grew up going to the same church and I'm eight years younger than him. So when I was in about fourth grade, he's a senior in high school, right? Whoa. So I'm to take wow. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Now we didn't meet then because he could not take a fourth grader to prom. That'd be really awkward. So <laughs> That's true. I had to hold off and, you know, wait for myself to grow up a little bit, but <laughs> No, so I had been kind of had my eye on him for that long because he had, you know, done some things in the church, which made him visible. And so I kind of knew who he was and he had no idea who this little fourth grader was watching after him. But when I was in the sixth grade, I go to, um, church camp and, um, my camp counselor there had just started dating this guy named Jeff Henderson. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, he's so cute. You've got to marry him, you know? And I'm sitting here, little do I know, trying to marry off my own husband, right? <laughs> and are you jealous at this point? Yeah, uh, No, I wasn't really jealous. I, I guess I was, but I, you know, it was, it seemed so out of the realm of possibility, you know, right. so you're just going, you're going, um, all right, I think she should go for it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that was just a fun little background, but fast forward several, several years, I was in college and one of my mom's friends was working for Jeff. He was the director of marketing at Lake Lanier Islands, um, kind of a beach and water park area um, vacation spot here in Atlanta. And uh, she was working for him and she was like, Hey, I want to set y'all up. And I was like, well, you better believe I'll go on that date. I've been watching this guy for quite some time. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to get one date with this guy. And then, you know, at least I get to say I went out with Jeff Henderson. But we've been dating ever since. So
0: This sounds like I'm 85 years old. (laughs) You're not? (laughs) But Wendy gives me a hard time because anytime we'll see, you know, hear a song on the radio or whatever, she'll go, you know, I was in the fifth grade and you were middle through your career.
2: Yeah, (laughs) That's amazing.
0: Uh, I think it's a compliment to me that all the, you know, this, this old guy is still attracting this hot there.
2: <laughs> there we go. So how old were you when you got married?
3: So, um, I was 22 when we met and then I married at 23. Okay. Um, and so he was 30 and 31.
2: Okay. Okay. And you've been married how many so, years now?
3: Kind of awkward then, you know? <laughs> yes, right. Would you say? <laughs> I know. The, the
2: awkward one was definitely the fourth grade high school. That <laughs> that, was, that was... That's a new... We haven't heard that we one. We literally haven't heard crush, that.
1: I haven't heard that one. Okay.
2: Right.
3: I wish you would have asked. I would have gone. <laughs>
2: but, the, but the 23, 30 something, that's fine.
3: Yeah, it's 23, totally 31. Fine. That's, that's very normal. And you have so.
2: how many children?
3: We have two kids. And
2: married how many years?
3: Um, it'll be 24 years in October. Our mm-hmm. daughter will be 21 this week. Mm-hmm. And then our son is 18. Okay.
2: So they are, son is, what, is this senior year or graduating or?
3: Just graduated. So he had a virtual graduation with all the 2020 graduates. Um, and then um, he is headed to Samford in the fall. And that's where our daughter has been for three years. So this will be her last year there, his first year there. So they get to be there together, which is going to be fun oh, for
1: us. Cool. So enter. Ent- during the empty nester phase.
3: Yeah. Are you
2: excited about this?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's bittersweet because we love our kids, but, um, you know, we've been <laughs> blessed with quarantine, which has given us a whole lot more time with them. And <laughs> and I mean that sincerely. I mean, it's been great timing for us. I think a lot of parents with young kids are about to pull their hair out and we feel like we've been gifted three extra months with our kids who, you know, typically at this stage in life are never home. So, so we kind of have that. So it'll be a little easier to go into it that way. But yeah, we're excited to travel together and, and do some things, you know, kind of back to when you first married and didn't have kids, you know, mm-hmm. you get to jump back there again, mm-hmm. which is a fun season.
0: And, and we've been talking about this for over 18 months to two years with people who we have some some advisors and people who kind of were in our lives. And, and they just said, hey, don't don't wake up one day and you're suddenly empty nesters. Um, it's going to be great, but it's going to be different. This will be the first time in 21 years that you haven't had kids in the house. So mm-hmm. don't, don't get surprised by this because I think it, it will have a variety of different emotions. So we've been, you know, planning mm-hmm. and preparing for this, but it will be um, emotional driving away. When huh. It's
3: going to be awful. And then we might be like, all right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but
0: what you know, right. fortunately,
3: and I've heard other couples say this, and this is really important. Fortunately, we like each other. So we're actually really looking forward to some time together. And, and we, we get to go visit the kids. You know, with them being in the same city, it's going to be easy to visit them. So kind of get the best of both worlds there. So. And
0: I'm so much older. <coughs> Wendy's banking on the life insurance. Right. I'll be gone here a few years anyway. Could <laughs> just be traveling Talking world like you're
2: 85 over there.
1: <laughs> All right. So I want to... I, I think you guys have a unique story um, or something unique about your story that I want to pinpoint... There is a moment uh, Jeff was definitely like in corporate America, right? And d- going down that track, and you made a trans major transition in life to go become a pastor. I don't know if that was the first decision you made, but to go into nonprofit and missional work, I'm curious what you two learned in that in that season of having a a very big change in your purpose or or direction of life and how that impacted your marriage and your family? Because I know a lot for our community, there's a lot of people that are in that wrestling phase and trying to figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say for me, the most important thing was that we were on the same page. Yeah. That when I've, um, I came home from a conference, one of those, and, and Jeff, this is your former world, you know, and, <laughs> and actually current world, and, um, and felt like that I needed to make a move into nonprofit space and church space. If Wendy had laughed and said, "You know what? Chick Fil A seems like they're going to make it. You know, they're <laughs> going to be all right." Chick Fil A. What are? What are you talking about? But when she said, "No, I, I, I can see this too." So that knowing that we were together on that decision, and there's been a lot of highs, and there's been a lot of lows, as there is any, in any, any endeavor. But knowing that no, we signed up for this together Mm -hmm. versus when we hit a low and if one of us said, well, I didn't want to get involved with this in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So that unity was really, really key. Yeah.
3: I I don't think we ever questioned, um, you know, I mean, it was a hard decision. It was the biggest decision we definitely made up to that point in our marriage outside of having kids, but we were so clear that we wanted kids. So that wasn't really a decision. That was just a big life event where this was a life event along with it's the result of our decision. So, um, so, yeah, I think to Jeff's point, the fact that we were on the same page was such a big growth opportunity for us to know how much we needed to be on the same page with, with decisions that big. And and so that being that it was early in our marriage has been such a key thing to look back on and go, OK, if we're not on the same page with something, we know that it's not, you know, as kosher for for maybe this decision or that decision. You know, but this one we were so sure about. So we kind of know how that felt. And we knew, you know, that jiving on it was so important. And we knew um, that that was just, you know, how we wanted to move forward was together. And so I think every decision after that has been like, well, we're going to be together. On it, and we have. Been.
0: He didn't sign up to be a pastor's wife. So <laughs> right. She's Chicken salesman, um, you know, that was going to be our future.
3: Still questioning if it was a good call for me to be a pastor's <laughs>
0: wife, and I'm a preacher's kid. We went to my parents and told them this is what we're going to do, and my mom looked at Wendy and said, Honey, you don't want it to do this. Oh. <laughs> wow. the, the, he
3: is a pastor's wife, yeah, yeah. so the, she'd done that a hard
0: life of pastor's wife. So, mm-hmm. but to, I, long story short, I think that unity for so for those of your audience that's wrestling with this. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get unity early on, but if you get it, it's going to help you because if you don't get it early on, when those difficult challenges come, it's, mm-hmm. you're going to go right back to, well, I said from the very beginning, I didn't want to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. do you
2: do when you don't have it? Do you not move forward? I mean, so yeah, what if you're in that space where one person feels like, you know, let's do this and the other person is not there?
3: Well, I think we've had decisions like that to make as well, where we're maybe not on the same page. And so I think what that did for us was led to discussions. And so we would ask more questions and get to a point where we were on the same page. So whether it was a compromise or whether it was an understanding one way or the other, we ended up landing together because we, I think the the going into ministry thing was really big. But it was an immediate decision that we both felt peace about. I think we've wrestled with decisions where we've had to have further conversations about things. So I think just asking good questions and um, kind of leaning to the other side to kind of understand, you know, okay, why do you want to do this? And what do you think is good about this decision and, and things like that? So I feel like we know what it looks like at the end of that so we can work toward that unity on it.
0: And we have a board of advisors. And I know that sounds like, a, uh, oh, you have a board of advisors. All that is is a bunch of friends that are older than us. But they've, so whenever there's disagreement or we're not quite sure, we go to them. What do you think? And just actually saying these things out loud to another group of people, it just helps. First of all, just saying these things out loud. Then for them to reflect back and go, oh, I see that or no, or I see Wendy's point. Mm-hmm. So, so on those big decisions, if there's not that unity, I think trying to get a trusted group of advisors around you that can speak wisdom. And we, we look to people that we want to be like when we grow up and we want our kids to be like their kids. And that, But I have, you know, for some, some of the smaller decisions, not this wouldn't be a smaller decision, but I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the early decisions in our marriage that defined our marriage, I felt like is we had a real estate decision and I had a, some property that I had when I was single that I brought into our marriage, and the property sold. and And we had a, two decisions to make. And Wendy said, "I think you should do. We should do this." And I said, "No, I think we have to do this." So I decided to do what I thought was the best thing to do.
1: Uh-oh. And, uh oh! This and, ain't going the
0: right direction. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: it's been a, a long, long time now. Where, I can talk about it again. Where so. were
0: you, Jeff? <laughs> when, uh, so this is like, yeah, twenty three years ago, whatever. So. Yeah. Ended up we, you know, costing us a you know, good, good amount of money. And but there was a good lesson to learn. So now I go, here's what I think, but what do you think? Because I just feel like that unity is so important. Hmm.
2: So you have a board of advisors on your marriage. Like a mar- your board of like this is board of advisors. This is not work. This is not whatever. This is your marriage family board of advisors.
3: Call it a personal board of advisors. Mm-hmm. So it's it kind of started more with job stuff for you.
0: you know. I got the uh, the idea from Jim Collins, get the great offer. He yeah. said, you know, if Coca-Cola has a board, why don't you have a board? But mm-hmm. uh, so I started that just as a personal advisory board. We we have gone to marriage counseling. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in proactive counseling. Mm-hmm. If, counseling doesn't have to be when you you know have a have a wreck and you know, oh no, I mean that's that's okay, but. I'm a huge believer in proactive counseling. So we do have a marriage counselor, but but this board of advisors is um, they, they get into, cause it's, you know, if you just segment business, this just a part of who you are, who you are flows to all areas of your life. Yeah. And um, so they, they've been a huge, huge um, source of information and advice and wisdom for us. Mm-hmm. That's
3: good. And while there are men that speak into Jeff's life professionally, their families are also ones we would want to emulate. So yeah. it kind of is a twofold thing where we can, and I know all their wives, we've all been together. So it's, it's a great group of people to go, we want to be like them. We could aspire to be like you because you know, they have what we want. So. Mm-hmm.
1: so before we started the interview, you guys were kind of joking about, I, I think loosely about the different personalities you guys each have and how you uh, approach probably everything in life. I'm guessing, this is a guess, I, you guys can explain your personalities better than me. Uh, Jeff maybe is a little more structured and a little more planned out. Is that, is that a fair versus? A,
0: oh, wait. I, yeah.
2: <laughs> and Wendy, you're wild. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> is that right?
1: Another way to say that yeah. is one is boring, one's <laughs> lively. Lively. There's okay. all different ways to
3: say <laughs> I'm reading something else here with you two as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> so
1: talk to us about that. Talk to us about what you've learned about each other and, and your personalities and how
0: you bring that into your family. Well, you wanted us to be vulnerable. So I'll tell you the worst weekend we've maybe had in our marriage.
3: Oh, this should be good. So, <laughs> was,
0: Jesse was a little girl. How old was Jesse? 18 months or something?
3: I don't know what you're about to share, but oh, yeah. yeah.
0: The goal setting weekend.
3: Oh, so, that one, yes. So
0: I, we booked a bed and breakfast weekend. And I was going to surprise Wendy. We're just not going to go to this bed and breakfast up in North Georgia this is going to be a goal-setting weekend because why, why wouldn't any every spouse wants to have like a goal-setting weekend because you have a vision for the marriage, you have a vision for finances, you have a vision for our health. I mean, doesn't every spouse desire that? Oh. Hey, we we'll, only we'll get one, one, one chance at this thing called life and marriage. So I called this guy and I said, Hey, hang on. I wish I mean, our
1: listeners could see Wendy's face right now. She I'm
2: is <laughs> mortified I'm by like, the things that he's saying. I'm like dying inside a little bit.
1: <laughs> keep going, keep going.
0: So anyway, I called this guy at Bed and Breakfast. I said, "Hey, man, do you have a flip chart?" And he goes, "And I said, you know, flip chart. I, hey, you have ideas and stuff." And he goes, "No, but if you want me to get one, I'll get one. Like that's 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 customer service." So anyway, so we go up there and we're having coffee and dessert out on the porch. And so this guy, walk the screen doors, you know, squeaks, and this guy's walking out a flip chart. And uh, then he hands these two folders that I had secretly given to him. They weren't in. folders. They were... Three-ring binders. Binders. Like four-inch
3: yes. binders yeah.
0: <laughs> I even had a... This was back... Remember it's Y2K? Uh, this was back when this was, All right, This was a long time ago. So I had a theme for the... This was 1999. So I had H2K, Henderson 2000. Oh, wow. The first, um, the first spreadsheet thing or the first uh, file folder was finances. So I said, all right, Surprise. We're gonna have a goal setting weekend. And we're gonna start with finances. And um and it just went down so I, I tell people there were tears throughout the weekend. And finally Wendy turned to me and said, Jeff, pull yourself together. <laughs> Stop crying, man. So uh, that's when I learned. I don't know if goal setting, I still do goal setting. She just doesn't and I still
3: it. don't.
0: Yeah. So there you go. I have one goal and it's not to set goals. Yeah. So
1: the fun one in the family, but I kind of move us ahead.
3: Yeah,
0: Yeah. But
1: you've found a way, I guess, over, you know, over your marriage to kind of realize, oh, we don't we don't think the same way about all this stuff. Right.
3: Right. And I think that's a good thing. I think we definitely bring a balance to each other. You know, when I do need structure or seriousness, he does bring that and and pulls that out of me. I do have it deep inside. He just has to pull it out of me. And then sometimes, you know, I have to remind Jeff to get his nose off a book and, you know, look up around and let's go play and do something, you know, Mm -hmm. do something fun. So I think we balance each other out that way. Um,
0: After this, actually we're driving to the Highlands and that Mm -hmm. wasn't planned. Mm -hmm. Cause I went into this week with a plan. (laughs) I know you appreciate this, Jeff, but (laughs) going to the Highlands was not part of my plan. So she came up with this, what, yesterday at like Mm -hmm. four or something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to, It's taken me 24 years to go, okay, we can be spontaneous and go. So right after we're done, closing the laptop and head and get in the car.
3: Yeah, and it's funny to hear that because because I've become really a lot of a planner, not a goal setter, but a planner. Like I do like being structured with our time and stuff. So, you know, this is a little out of character. So it's funny to hear him say that it was so hard for him because I'm like, well, it's a little bit of a stretch for me now, too. So I think we kind of rub off on each other. He's a lot more fun than he used to be. And I'm, I'm a lot more serious than I used to be, so that's good. But.
1: <laughs> so, what over over your marriage, what are the things that consistently have brought you together? You're like, man, this is this is how we've learned to maintain this relationship that others could learn from.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say um, the first thing would probably be our faith. Um, you know, I mean, obviously in ministry, we we have hopefully a pretty solid faith and foundation there. So we meet there. Um, we both come from similar backgrounds. We come from healthy marriages. Um, both of our parents, you know, his parents were married when his dad died. My parents are still married, just celebrated 50 years. So to have that emulated is, is no joke. You know, I mean, that's serious and we appreciate and are very grateful for that. So I think coming into um, marriage with kind of the same values has been really helpful for us. Right. So that's been a lot that's kept together and family is a priority. So our kids are super important to us. And so we're always wanting to prioritize time with them. And that's never a tension between us because we both want that. So.
0: Yeah. Kids are a huge priority. And I, you know, at some point leave Gwinnett church and, but I'll always be their, their dad. Um, um, and so I, I want our family to be a, a huge priority mm-hmm. and I never want, and I saw my dad emulate me like that. I mean, mm-hmm. he was busy as a pastor, but mm-hmm. he He never lost his priorities. Wendy's dad is in uh, residential real estate Mm -hmm. and uh, he's been very busy and very successful, but he's always been prioritized Mm to her family. Mm -hmm. So knowing that has been, I'm not going to put our family on the, especially in nonprofit world Mm because you can, you're in purpose, right? So you could easily put your family on the, the altar of, Hey, I'm trying to change the world. That's Mm -hmm. great. But I've seen way too many men and women, Try to save the world and lose their families, marriages, and marriages in the process. And while that's totally understandable, we just didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, and, I, and we got a great example when I left. So I, I left Chick Fil A to, to help start Buckhead Church, and then was asked to go help start another ch- Gwinnett Church where we're at, where at now, um, eight years ago. When I left Buckhead Church, I mean we helped start that. We gave a lot of our lives to it. But um, you know, after a few months, people forgot who we are and moved on. That was such a great lesson to go. You know what? Who hasn't forgotten about us is Jesse and Cole. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that our kids actually might want to go into nonprofit work as well is really encouraging that they didn't get burned by it. Mm -hmm.
2: That's good.
1: So, you have this uh, concept, you wrote a book, Jeff, around becoming known. What are you for, basically? And I'm curious, have you ever, do you apply that to your family also?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the two questions really I think any organization needs to ask is what do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? And that's your, your unique vision, your unique niche. And then what are you known for? So if I'm telling you guys today, I am such, I want to be known for being a great dad. Man, I'm an awesome dad. I'm the best. You can go, oh, that's interesting. Let me go ask Jesse and Nicole, <laughs> ultimately, what are you known for? And there's a gap in any relationship, marriage, family, work, boss, employee, employer, customer client. So you've got your vision, but the reality. And so every day is an opportunity to shrink the gap between what you want to be known for and what you are known for. And, um, and so for me to, to have that really clearly defined and look at on a very consistent basis is kind of an anchor and kind of a guide for me to know, hey, here's what I want to be known for. And, uh, and I, I, there's things I want to be known for at work. There's things I want to be known for at, at, at home. But ultimately, every day, it's not, a, it's not, it's not perfection. But it's about I'm gonna shrink the gap every day. And I think, especially when an organization comes to work and there's clarity about those two questions and we know how to shrink the gap, that's where purpose lives. And one of the things I love about what y'all are doing uh, with Plywood too is that you're you're able to understand how to make purpose a, a a venture that's sustainable financially and and to help change the world. And this 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 merger of purpose and profit is such an important um such an important message now that um, you led me to, Jeff, but now I'm just telling everybody it was my idea. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. Let me do a follow-up question on that though, because Hmm. specifically related to relationships, uh, we get a lot of people that come to us and are asking, maybe one, one of the people in the relationship is really struggling with why they exist in this world. And it actually creates a real tension in the relationship. There's, this person that's going all out and they're doing it. And then their partner's like, I don't know why I'm here. What, what? So if you were sitting down with a couple, and I'm curious if you sat down with couples that have felt that same tension, like how would you process through that with them?
3: Well, I would say even in our relationship, I've probably struggled with that a little bit. Um, However, just because I was the stay-at-home mom, so my my identity was always in I'm a mom, and so now as they've gotten older, it's like okay, what's my identity beyond that? Because there's a lot more life beyond children than with them. You know, you're only with them for 18 years. You know, 21 in our case right now, and then you know now I'm trying to figure out okay, what is my true identity? And, and now as far as um, Jeff's job, he's been a pastor for the past 17 years, and I think we did that together. So I had an identity in that too, and, you know, being a mom. So all of that kind of came together. So, you know, with, with the kids going away now, it's kind of like, okay, where, where is my purpose now? And I've got to search for that. So I think in trying to figure that out, I think in sitting down with couples together, we would be able to, I would be able to identify that and be like, okay, you know, where are your passions, you know, and how does that align with, so I've been looking at, okay, So I've always had this role as being a pastor's wife. So how can I lean into that more in this season? You know, so you kind of look into what you did, what else you did have around you. Cause there's plenty, you know, you're not just one thing and you don't have just one purpose. So, um, and those, that dual purpose that I had, I'm looking at being a pastor's wife now and how do I lean into that? Or how do I come along Jeff and support him? Because I enjoy that. Um, I don't know if any of your listeners are Enneagram people, but I'm a two. And so I'm a helper, I'm a supporter. So, I w- can lean into that easily and come alongside him. So, um, I think we've talked a lot about that is like, how can I, you know, how can I find my purpose in that? So,
0: and that's one of the things our, our advisors, you know, that's why they were talking about empty nesting is it's going to be, it's going to be mm-hmm. different and especially going to be different for Wendy. And how's that, how's that going to, how's that going to help? How's, and, and, mm-hmm. and here's the challenge. And I, and, and this is where we've hit some tension. It's, I want to help her figure that out but I don't know that she wants me to help her figure mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. So I think there's got to be other people that do that versus, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to figure out my role in that. Um, obviously, I'm not good at that. I would like to take her to a bed and breakfast and do a goal setting weekend, but I tried that <laughs> once before. You learned your so, lesson.
2: I like it, yeah. Jeff.
0: <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how do I help her figure that out. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, I, it's not like I'm the leader at Gwynette Church. We lead that together, and I've got plenty of examples of how that plays out. I'm just more visible because I'm on the on a platform and, you know, mm-hmm. stage at the church, people see me more regularly, but they don't know that hundred percent of what I do is influenced and directed by Wendy. Um, but even if that's ever taken away, okay, how, what's our identity mm-hmm. then now? So mm-hmm. I think helping, that's why this season is so important Why we've been talking about it for 18 months. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, especially with couples, it's, you know, you sometimes the other uh, spouse doesn't want you to help, them Mm -hmm. figure it out. They want you to just walk, walk alongside and commiserate and say, yes, I understand that. Mm -hmm. And then friends come around and do that. So trying to understand your role, it might be different for other couples, but for us, I'm trying to figure out what my role is in that with her.
3: And it evolves because like Jeff was saying, when we were at Buckhead Church, our kids were really small. So they were more of my priority than the church was. And so then when we moved to Gwinnett Church, the kids were kind of middle school age, so a lot more self-sufficient so I could lean into the church more. So I've watched my role at the church evolve and as, you know, the kids have grown. And so now we're just kind of going into another season of evolving and what does that look like? And a little bit of um, my story is that when Jessie was, I think, a junior in high school, I started struggling with depression and then she's leaving in that process. So I don't know. I'm really unsure kind of if that played a large role or you know, just it was a physiological thing and that played a role in contributing to it. But so I walked through um two or three years of of depression and, you know, and when you walk through that, any of your listeners who have, which many of us have, you do feel a lack of purpose. And so um, you know, going through that season was really hard. Um and then I realized I needed to be on medication, which was not a problem for me. And so I did. And I was for about a year and a half and gratefully I'm off medication now and, um, you know, but I'm still trying to find, you know, that purpose beyond children. So that kind of started then when I was struggling with depression and, and then, and so it's different struggling, not struggling with the issue of what's next and what's my purpose outside of depression this time, Mm, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And for anybody listening, uh, Jeff, what was, how was, how did you feel during that watching your wife Really struggled during those years. And what is a way to encourage maybe listeners who have a partner with some kind of mental health things going on?
0: This was the first time I'd ever seen Wendy really sad. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a mm-hmm. shock, you know, because she's always the life of the party. Everybody wants to be around Wendy. She's the fun Henderson. That's what the Gwinnett Church staff says. You know, they <laughs> all go to her when we, the two of us walk in the door. So it was, it was, it was, it was you know, odd or, or mm-hmm. and sad to see her like this because I've never seen, seen her like this. But then I began to talk to some friends and again, my advisory board who said, Oh yes, our spouse has experienced something similar to this. You know, and it's really not as much college, but when kids start driving, if that's, yeah. it, if that's because you're always, at least in our case, we're always driving our kids to school, always driving our kids to school. And so now instead. they're
2: driving away from you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And,
0: so
3: at that, and you don't have that time with them. Yeah. So
0: like the first step of them walking away, yeah. you know? Yeah, and then And then and in our case too, you know, we're in a church, fairly public at least and within our little circle. And so, you know, having to work through that in, in our world and trying to find people that you can really trust. Um, but then I, I, you know, I think quickly trying to figure out, okay, uh, it's not my role to fix something here. It's my role to love and support and just be there. And, and I would tell anybody, uh, in somewhat similar situation of grief, um, you know, it's not really your words, it's your presence. Mm-hmm. Like we just walked with a family whose 19 year old son died of brain cancer last week and we did their funeral. There's nothing you can, I mean, there's, there's words that we believe from a faith standpoint, but ultimately it's just your presence there. So if your spouse is there, I think making sure that you are spending more time uh, together, mm-hmm. Wendy's quality time i words of affirmation. So one of the things we found, that's love language, is, is we would love each other out of our own love language. You know? yeah. So I would you know, early on, I would write her notes, leave them around the coffee pot, and then I wouldn't hear from her. I'm like, did you not get my note that I <laughs> left you? And then she'd go, oh, yeah, but what time are you coming home? So I knew yeah. in that, in that day, um, when she was going through this, I just needed to spend more time just being here. But it wasn't, you know, what do you think, or providing ideas. It was just sitting at our couch, just across, mm-hmm. just, just sitting there. Mm-hmm. and pulling away a little bit more
1: uh, from work and just being here. So as um leading a church, I mean my dad was a pastor yeah. and I remember there's all these moments coming home and um there's marriages that are f- constantly in turmoil all surrounding the community in some way. And I'm curious like if you if you were like you could say a couple things you're like man I wish the couples that are in my sphere of influence could just Hear me say this: That would be an encouragement to them. What do you? What would you want to say to them? For in, in, in
0: marriage or in their work?
1: In in marriage, yeah.
3: Um. Wow. Well, well, I mean, I I think I think it's so easy to be selfish in marriage, and I think is um, one of the things that's been huge for us. Like Jeff just mentioned, was the love languages, and so we were naturally didn't know it, selfish in loving each other the way we wanted to be loved, and as soon as we were. Uh, our attention was drawn to, oh wait, this is his love language and this is my love language. And we start loving each other the way the other one feels loved. Um, and, and seeing things through their perspective, it, it makes a huge difference, you know, because I was loving him really well, but he didn't feel that the way that I wanted him to feel it. So when I found out how to love him really well, and I still am learning how to be words of affirmation because that's not natural for me. And so... When I can love him in that way, it means so much to him. And so I think as as soon as I get the focus off of me and put it on him, then that makes a world of difference. So I I think just shifting the focus more than anything in marriage, we're so, you know, like you're frustrating me. You didn't do this and and all of that. And so it's like, okay, stop right there. What can I do to make this better? You know, what can I do to step into this problem and help it? Mm -hmm. So And I do that really well, don't I, Jeff?
0: (laughs) Well, we've gotten better at it. At conflict. I'm a conflict mm-hmm. avoider and mm-hmm. she's a conflict enjoyer. And so she moves ahead and I move away, you know? And so what I've begun to understand over the years that it's being disloyal to Wendy when I'm, I, I avoid conflict. So mm-hmm. I have to move towards it. So the sooner we can just move and figure out how to, how, how do you resolve conflict in your marriage? Not if you will, but mm-hmm. how you will and when you will. Mm-hmm. And really the sooner, the, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think conflict, what, when you said, and then conflict um, resolution would be important. I think the other thing, which is such a lousy answer and such a boring answer, but it's really, an, I think, still an important one, is is understanding, trying to get on the same page financially. Because if not, there's always going to be fights that come from fi- if, if, if the financial house is, is in order. And that's not talking about making a lot of money. I mean, we're a nonprofit world, okay. But when we left Chick-fil-A, we had to make a huge reduction in our salary. But before that happened, we early on in our marriage went and did some financial courses and just got on the same page and said, this is how we're going to approach our finances. So that when we left Chick-fil-A, it, we definitely felt the impact on the, on the income, but we were able to make decisions about that and not be handcuffed. And I know that's a, it's a general statement because it made to some of your listeners, there may be especially this season, struggling financially, I totally understand that. So there's no, no guilt, no judgment, no anything. But because we've been on the same page for so long financially, that's not really been an issue for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had to deal with other issues. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think if, especially for younger couples, if mm-hmm. you can get on the same page financially, it's just going to help set a trajectory for you. But yeah. that's obviously easier said than done Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, that was really true for Jeff and I too. For some reason, some friends convinced us to do a financial course with them. And I mean, me, I was like, I literally would rather pull my teeth out than go to this (laughs) class. But... I will sit here and did six weeks of this thing that I hated every minute of. But then at the end of it, I realized, uh, I mean, even today... We still go back to that plan. It's like plan. 17 years yeah. later and we go back to it and just say, well, remember what we, you know, our plan that we said and that we came up with? And and it, it, may, it has made all the difference for sure.
1: Yeah. It became a, for us, became like a third... We each it's had an our anchor own. Point. Yeah, an anchor point. We each had our own different historical backgrounds of how our families handled finances and things, but that got us on the same page, and it wasn't either one of ours that was oh, the plan. So it was, it was good.
3: Finances <laughs> <laughs> <The laughs> can cause a lot of tension, so being on the same page is really critical. Well,
0: and I see that as a pastor. I we, mean, yeah. you know, more often not. There's some. It may not be the the sole issue, but it's a it's gigantic. Angry sit down with a couple.
2: So we have often seen this phenomenon, and I'm sure I, I wonder if you have as well. But when life gets tough, marriage, kids, family, whatever, work, uh, people pull away. You kind of pull into your own spaces, you leave, you know, your church community, you leave your friends, and you go kind of insular and say, we got to figure this out. And what, what would you say to that, to that kind of phenomenon? Do you see that as well? Or do you see, and and what are the pros and cons with that kind of? Mm
0: -hmm. I think for us, 2013 was maybe the worst year. It was the worst year of my life. Mm -hmm. So um, we had, uh, two staff members that were hit by a drunk driver on Christmas night. One of them survived, one of them didn't. Um, then, So I did her funeral. Then a few weeks later, I did the funeral of a um, seven-year-old son of a staff member who died of cancer. Then a few weeks after that, I did my dad's funeral. And then a few weeks after that, we did the funeral of a close friend's sister who we knew who had worked on our staff as an intern. It felt like everyone was dying. Mm-hmm. And then it's, so, I'm you know, in my world, I got to stand up on stage, do these funerals, and then on Sundays, get up and try to raise money to build a church. And and then um, it was just, it was just hard. So the, so I, we mentioned Wendy went through depression. I went through just depression as well. And we eventually moved in in 2015 to our church, but I just, I just hit a wall. I had to take 30 days off and just, you know, just sit down for a while. And so we fortunately had, again, these advisors that we're talking about a really close friend of our staff uh, who walked with us during that season. And, um, but I go back to what we said earlier, the fact that Wendy and I were, were we had decided this is what we had signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, if, if I had this grand vision and came to Wendy and tried to convince her and talk her into it, she could have gone back all those years and said, you know what? We should have, I told you, we should have just left it stayed at Chick-fil-A. But we had made this decision together, so we knew that we were in this. But I think leaning into people that you can trust. Um, now, again, it's tricky, especially in nonprofit world, especially in church world, because there are stories of pastors being open and honest with people, and then next thing they know, it's you know headline news, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we really leaned into um, to some people. I tell you what, we didn't do though—that I one of the regrets I have is not letting our kids in to know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessie saw it. How old was Jessie? About
3: 15 or 16.
0: About 15 or 16. So she saw people coming over to the house. She saw, you know, some porch conversations. She knew something was wrong. I, w- I was losing a lot of weight. Um, and then she, was, she thought, but, but we didn't tell her because we wanted to shield both Jesse and Cole. Mm-hmm. So eventually she came to Wendy and said, does dad have cancer?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. Um,
0: and so I think um, having them, inviting them into the process, mm-hmm. depending on your maturity level of your kids, yeah. was helpful. So subsequent to that, we have involved them in every decision. Obviously, they're older and mm-hmm. all of that. that. So. Mm-hmm. That's
3: good. Yeah, that was, that was a tough season. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, like Jeff said, leaning into a few people, not isolating, Andre, to like you're saying, a lot of people pull away. I think not isolating. It was easy to do that when I was walking through my season of depression, which there was a little overlap there. I mean, Jeff's was more of a, you know, concise quicker time where mine was drawn out over a couple of years, but there was some overlap there and it it got to a point where uh, my best friend had to look at me and go, Hey, I think you need to go get some help. I think you need to get on medication. So I think people can speak things to you that you can't see outside of yourself and outside of your world and circumstances so, and I think, I agree with Jeff, bringing our kids into it more would have been a whole lot easier on them, you know, um, to be able to have those conversations. I mean, that's such a hard thing with, with kids. You want to shield them and then you, you know, you need to bring them in at certain points and what, when to know what is, is hard. But.
1: Well, I think that leads us to our last question.
2: Yeah. You guys just flying through here, giving us...
0: These people really messed up. We gotta go. us all
2: the notes here. It's so it's so
1: interesting. Like you don't. Da- we go into these conversations and we don't know. Oftentimes, where they're gonna go. Like I had no idea the two stories that you guys shared. I I didn't know that about your storyline. So thanks for sharing that. I,
2: wow, very vulnerable and beautiful.
1: Yeah. Um. Last question. Yeah, ha- and I think building campaigns lead us all to some level of depression. <laughs> That's all.
2: <another> <laughs> <laughs> Jeff just finished that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, um, our last question is it possible to change the world stay in love and raise a healthy family
3: go Jeff yes. <laughs> it's a tough question
0: we're still figuring it out yeah uh, but we, we believe it is possible mm-hmm. and I, I do think one of the ways to change the world is to have a healthy marriage you know, mm-hmm. and have, have a healthy family uh, but I do think you can, you can do that it takes priority it takes intentional planning it takes podcasts like this it takes thinking about it. It it doesn't happen by accident. Um, But I I think as I look back on these 17 years that we've been doing what we're doing, uh, I'm so grateful that our kids still love, you know, in terms of our world, they love the church and they Mm -hmm. serve. Um, But at the same time, whenever our season here is over, um, we're still going to have great relationships with them. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's possible. It does take planning and intention.
3: Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think, you know, because we've focused on having a healthy marriage and having um, a healthy family, I think, I mean, people might say that because we're in nonprofit ministry, whatever you call it, um, that that is a portion of our changing the world, which to some degree I could understand. But I think more of the changing the world from Wendy and Jeff Henderson is going to come through our kids you know, because they are such quality kids and we're so proud of them and what they do Well, can eventually be attributed back to us. So I think more than our own personal world change, if you will, it's, it can be through who you raise. I think Andy and Sandra have a, um, our, our pastor and his wife have a, a statement about that. It may be, um, you know, the biggest change in the world may be in who you raise, you know, or something to that effect. I can't remember it verbatim, but um, but it's so important how you raise your family and how you, um, you know, pour into your marriage, because that can be to Jeff's point, the, the, um, byproduct of that can be some of the greatest change that you can do. So, mm. so I, I would say, yeah.
0: And, and also don't, I say this ironically, because she's the fun one, but don't miss the fun, you know, mm-hmm. don't miss the fun <laughs> of raising your kids because pretty soon they're going to be, they're, they're going to be gone. Yeah. And we're gonna be left with the dog that just showed up here, about <laughs> right here. <laughs> and she's been pretty good. She's been yeah. good, so, yeah. But but don't miss the fun, don't mm-hmm. don't miss the joy yeah. uh, of, of raising kids. There's a lot of responsibility, but it's there's a lot of potential fun memories mm-hmm. as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And now it's time for the breakdown. (laughs) You are very energetic today. Yo, break it down, Matt. Break it, break it down. Go. Break it down. Go. Break it, break it down. Yo. Oh,
2: help me. Lord, Here we go, Dre. Here we we go. Yo. Okay. Let's get to this interview, honey. We want to talk about the things that we really learned.
1: I know, but I was just really hyping up the breakdown. I just, (laughs) I really took it to another level. I really believe that. I think there was like, There was a level we were coming in at the breakdown, and now I just elevated the breakdown to a whole nother level.
2: Okay. First of all, I really appreciated this whole idea of a board of advisors. You did?
1: Did I have have, one?
2: Do we have one? Do Uh, we have, like, do we have that?
1: I just want to say I feel like it's our 100 interviews. Those are our advisors. If I suggested to you, this is this is the power because
2: you're making it so formal. This is the power I don't
1: of like that. other voices in your life. <laughs> if I suggested you, honey, you need a personal board of advisors. You oh, Lordy. you
2: might slap me. <laughs> it's probably true. Let me tell you about your advisors. Like when they were talking about, about how like he wants to give her advice about her purpose. Kind of like happen. how you try to coach me about my life. <laughs> and I give you the big. No.
1: Uh, it's interesting hearing hearing them share because I, I could relate.
2: Oh, yes. For sure. For sure. You're, so you're a lot more like Jeff. Hang on. I a want to take this like back. more like Wendy.
1: I do want to take this back just one minute. You're interested in having a board of advisors, personal board of advisors.
2: Yeah. I don't like the phrasing, the terminology. Sure. But I do like this idea that they're like our go-to like group that we're like, we can't see eye to eye. Help us. Help us with this. Because mm-hmm. we don't see eye to eye so much. It would be helpful. I
1: actually think we do have that. We just don't. We haven't formalized it.
2: Okay. Well, it, you know what? It brings me back to a memory. We have a single friend, dear, dear friend, who was dating and in a relationship, and a serious relationship. And she was very excited about this possibility of this relationship. And she asked us to be on her board of advisors. Oh, she
1: did. And now they're getting married. Do you remember that? Yeah, they're getting married.
2: Because she wanted to be like, question the hard questions about if this relationship was the right relationship she, she should be in.
1: You know what I love about that is that she went out of her way to invite.
2: There was a formal email. She
1: invited us into it. And I think that might be something that is really important to do if there's some people, because I think we all kind of have some people we respect in our lives and we listen to, but how often have we really invited them to speak into it? And I think a lot of times people are waiting for that invitation.
2: Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's beautiful.
1: So are you going to do that?
2: Yes. I want, I'm going to make a formal letter of invitation.
1: This, how many exclamation points are there? Going to be? <laughs>
2: there will be all the bolds, all the caps and all the exclamation <laughs> points and you can't take that away from me. No, you I'm not You just can't. <laughs> I'm not even, I guarantee I'm not being invited to that
1: so <laughs> I don't have to be involved.
2: I think I'm going to. I'll keep you accountable though. What else did you like in this? <laughs> Oh lord. <laughs> what else did you like in this interview? Well, I could imagine I just
1: I when he started explaining that story about the flip charts, I died. <laughs>
2: I could see the whole thing in my... I, I could see the whole thing Because happen. you could see you doing this to me. And it would have been awesome. No, no. But not... Not successful. <laughs> 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 I love that he kept it a surprise, too, until the flip chart came out. It was like, surprise!
1: Uh, yeah, that was funny. But uh, the other thing that really stuck with me is this idea that if your partner is wrestling with their purpose, mission, calling, whatever you want to call it. I think sometimes as our you know, as the partner we're like, well, we have to step in. What are, what can we do about this? And then I really like where he was sitting in this of saying, this is not my problem to solve. I'm just here to support her in her journey, basically. And how presence. important presence just and the presence. The presence is important to sit in it with it, because I know there's a whole bunch of people listening, and we've talked about this because of previous podcasts that they had. One of the one of the people in the relationships are really struggling with this, and and you want so badly for your partner to find that and to hold it and to see whatever that is. they don't even usually care what it is. They just want to be behind them in that, and it's a hard place to be.
2: Yeah. And I think they were also talking about it in the context about the, the depression too. And I think that's another really valid takeaway too with if you have a partner struggling in any way with mental health issues or anxiety or whatever it is that basically they are in a low right now. I think that's another super valid point is that you're not going to be able to fix that So how can you just be a presence? How can you just be there? And not just that, but taking the step. Like Jeff, he said he pulled back from work. Like there are some times that you actually have to do the thing to be present. Make the hard choice of cutting back and what needs to be done to be there.
1: Absolutely. I loved it. Sometimes you got to make the hard choice. Send that email to invite the personal advisors in.
2: I will with all my caps and exclamation points I literally, as well.
1: I'll tell you, if I if somebody sent me that email and asked me to be on the personal board, they said that many, all caps, you bold, and exclamation. You haven't even seen
2: my email. Don't, don't, you haven't even seen them yet. <laughs> you just wait. Maybe I'll CC you. Maybe I won't.
0: All right. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying, it stressed me out.
2: All right, everybody. Well, we hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we did. That is another episode of Love, Love or Work.
0: Work. Yep.
2: episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul
0: Graffiti Productions.